This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 8, Episode 51. This is Writing Excuses, creative nonfiction with Mehdi Ivy Harrison. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm uh, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Howard and we don't have a Dan. Yes, the part of Dan today will be played by a wet noodle stapled to a sock. But we also have... Mehdi Ivy Harrison joining us. Say hi, Mehdi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about your work. Um, uh, my latest book is called Iron Mom, and it's a creative nonfiction piece about how I came to triathlon very late in life and um, how I manage triathlon and a family and a writing career. Awesome. Um, uh, by coincidence, entirely coincidence, we're going to talk about creative nonfiction. Um, I had no idea that there was such a thing as creative nonfiction before I went to college and they um, explained how stupid I was. Um, Mary, what is creative nonfiction? Well, creative nonfiction actually has a couple of different terms. So there's creative nonfiction, literary nonfiction, and narrative nonfiction. And, mm -hmm. and you'll hear people talk about them in different ways. But it's basically um, nonfiction writing that uses literary techniques to present Factually mm -hmm. accurate narratives. And er Mary's doing air quotes around factually yes. accurate. I'm pretty sure they could hear that. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> um, factually accurate. I'll be honest, uh, creative nonfiction was the big surprise of my degree. Um, I went in and when I saw that there was this course about creative nonfiction that I could take, um, or something like this, I, I'm like, I should take this so I know what it is. But it's going to be one of these things that's going to be like highbrow and literary and I'm just not going to like it. And I loved it. Um, I went into the course and I was blown away by the fact that it was something real, that it wasn't just journal writing souped up, that it had this fiction feel to it, um, and it, it, was, it was quite awesome. I, it was one of my most enjoyable classes through my entire uh, graduate degree of coursework. Well, Sandra does a lot of, uh, I guess categorically it would be called mm -hmm. mommy blogging, and my favorite of her blog posts are the ones where it's not just, you know, a recounting of the events. Mm -hmm. It is 
crafted so that the events are fitting into a beginning, middle, and end narrative, and there is a uh, there is an arc. There right. is mm-hmm. there is cathartic. You can see the try fail cycle. Um, and that is that is the the aspect that makes it specifically creative nonfiction. Creative nonfiction. Yeah. Um, okay. Or narrative nonfiction is that you're applying those literary techniques to the 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 fact that you are telling. But literary nonfiction doesn't use the literary. I'm so confused. No, no literary, it's, it's, it's all three terms. Yes, the same thing. They're, they're all the same words. Yeah. Uh, oh, as okay. opposed to journalism. <laughs> yes. Which is factual, but mm-hmm. not okay. using literary narrative techniques. So sometimes you'll see a human interest piece in a newspaper that is skirting into. Yeah. Uh, creative nonfiction that's using some of those techniques. Memoirs can also go into slow news day fiction. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. The, I'm making light, but yeah, yeah. but it, it, but it's very much it's using all of the things that we we talk about with character yeah. arc, try fail cycles, to relay f- information that is factually accurate. So you don't make shit up. You know, and um, this is happening um, a lot more. I've noticed online on like the online magazines, like Salon and things like this, where there's more space. You don't have to worry so much about the word counts. It's the journalism line here is, is, is blending a lot more, I'm finding. Um, Mehdi, I wanted to ask, you have done both of this. You've released books, both fiction books and creative nonfiction books. Did you find anything specifically different about approaching the, the creative nonfiction book? I, I think it is a lot the same. Um... The, the way I think of writing, both fiction and nonfiction, is about emotion, or mm-hmm. at least that's the way I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And when I write a, a creative nonfiction piece, I am trying to elicit an emotion in the reader, the, the same emotion that I felt. And so I try to use the words so that the reader can experience as much as possible the the emotion that I experienced in the event itself. So yes, there's an attempt to convey actual facts, but I mean in triathlon, if I spend too much time talking about like what what my bike equipment is mm-hmm. or you know right. how many yards or whatever, that tends to take away from the emotional right. Uh, right. aspect I'm trying to get the reader to feel. And that, that's why I feel like I mean, this is a book that I'm, I'm trying to tell people that you don't have to start out as a great athlete. You don't have to mm-hmm. be anybody special. I'm not, a, I was never a good athlete in high school and I um, had five kids before I went back to, to triathlon. So I, what I'm trying to do is get people to feel what I feel when I race. And, and the idea is that will make them want to start changing their life so that maybe they can have that experience in real life themselves, that emotion of like the high of mm-hmm. exercise. That seems like an interesting uh, distinction for me because on a lot of my fiction, the main goal is a story and emotional resonance to the characters where you're shooting for an emotional resonance to a feeling, to a, to a um, it, you're trying to motivate, really. And so... Um, well, I think in some ways it's about using yourself as a character, mm-hmm. but sh- yeah. showing that to the reader. Right, right, I mean, right. That, I, I was using that as an example. That's one thing that I do. I, I talk about, um, the, the book begins with the story of my first Iron Man, uh-huh. which I signed up for nine days after um, I lost my sixth daughter. Mm. Um, uh, she was 10 days late. She ended up being stillborn. And um, I thought about doing an Iron Man before. And suddenly, in this grief-stricken state that I was in, I desperately needed 
something to focus on, uh -huh. like day by day. I could get up in the morning. I knew that what I was going to do, and I could check off a list of things, and that would help me get through to the uh -huh. point where I thought I would be over it and like recovered. Um, I'm not sure that actually happened that recovery part, but it's not just about so 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 that event, the mm -hmm. the Ironman itself, is not just about trying to motivate people to do an Ironman. It's also trying to explain to them why I did this crazy thing so that they understand, they can feel that grief that propelled uh -huh. me into it as well. So yes, it's a character. I'm using myself as the character and mm -hmm. trying to get readers to sympathize with me and to see why I would do what seems like an absolutely crazy thing to do after, you know, nine days after delivery, right. you're not even supposed to be uh -huh. up. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea seems that you would start training like. for... Um, a race that's 112 miles of biking and another, and then topped off with 26 miles of running. Yeah, that does seem crazy. I, I just have to say that that seems crazy under any circumstances. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I'm I haven't read your you. book yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, um, my husband and I laugh about that. We say that 13 miles, so a half marathon, is mm -hmm. in in the sane category. Anything past that, you, you're you're moving into the insane category where it's really not about fitness anymore. Like, you can pl be plenty fit and do 13 miles. Once you go past <laughs> that it's you're, you're starting to yes. um, risk lots of injuries and so it's really not about fitness anymore it's just about the craziness hey writers are you thinking about learning a new language i think exploring the world experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer better stories a great way to do that is with rosetta stone a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered they use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go ahead and stop for a book of the week. 
And our book of the week this week is Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> hey, by coincidence, we have him on the podcast right now. <laughs> I Brandon, think he's, I've heard he's a promising young uh-huh. author. Tell us about your book. Well, Brandon, <laughs> Steelheart is about <laughs> what happens if people start gaining superpowers, but only evil people get them. Um, it's an action-adventure thriller. Um, it was published as um, older teen, but I think anyone would enjoy it. And Audible themselves um, did the audiobook and have been fantastic to work with. And so I would highly recommend this book to you. It's narrated wonderfully and is a very enjoyable experience. That's very good, Brandon. Hey, Howard, how can they get Brandon's book? Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 30-day free trial membership, grab a copy of Steelheart, absolutely free and maybe find something else there that you'd like to listen to as well yes indeed so creative nonfiction. one of the big things that i loved about creative nonfiction when i was as a as a student taking this class was it seemed like the authors who were doing it were able to take normal things about everyday life and make them feel very magical not magical in the sort of fantasy sense, but evoke a sense of wonder. Um, the great book that, that we read a lot and that is often held up as like a, um, a, a great example of this is Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Um, and the idea about Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, you know, she's, she's passing through the wilderness and she'll find some, some sort of every, everyday um, creature and she'll look at it closely and describe it in these marvelous, beautiful ways that are in some ways discomforting, in some ways um, wondrous, and it makes the entire, made the entire world seem a more wondrous place, uh, which is what I liked about it. And I felt that taking this class, one of the reasons I loved it so much, is it made me a better fiction writer by looking and saying, wow, people who are writing creative nonfiction can take a stroll through the woods and make it seem as wondrous as traveling to a fantasy world. That means that I should be able to, in my fantasy books, evoke the sense of wonder, not just from the traipsing across the wilderness in this fantastical land, but the morning routine where the mother and the child get together can have that same sense of wonder. Um, and it was very eye-opening to me, which is why I, I recommend creative nonfiction and why the class was so interesting to me. Um, I would say, let's talk about how to do this. Um, have you noticed in your own writing? Um, what, what, how, do you, how do you take something normal and make it wondrous without going purple? Because that's always my danger is I'm like, I'm going to describe this thing in such a beautiful, wonderful way. And then I get done with the paragraph. I'm like, wow, that stands, that stands out like the proverbial sore thumb where suddenly it's like Brandon is trying to be, um, you know, literary now. How do you do this? I think that you can use uh, sometimes the right word. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to use all of the right words. So like, for me, when talking about triathlon, while I want to avoid explaining every single complicated detail detail of my bike setup uh-huh. saying that it's a cervello 48 centimeter and it looks like it's a bike made for a little kid mm. um but with you know super fancy aero bars just a few of those right. precise words that only apply in a very specific situation can really help to make it feel like you really know what you're talking about and that you're in a different world. I think that a lot of readers read because they want to feel transported into a different world. Right. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a fantasy world. It can be a world, it can be um, a cooking world. You know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if, if you're 
uh, character is a chef. You can use words that have to do with very specific instruments mm -hmm. that they use. Or, you know, in the triathlon world, you, you can use very specific words for that. I think that's one way to do it. Yeah, I think the other thing you can do is pay attention to uh, to narrative rhythms. Mm. Uh, like, one of the things we talk about when we're writing fiction is um, is what your point of view character is noticing and how long they're lingering on it. Yeah. And that you can do that with nonfiction by, uh, by, by helping the... the reader or listener understand which part of the story is important by how long you linger on it and and the words that you use to describe it. As we were talking, I, I suddenly remembered that a, a friend of mine, uh, Jody Eichelberger, does these narrative nonfiction mm. mm -hmm. um, podcasts, um, and he did one about an event that I was a participant in. Ooh. And it's very interesting hearing that story from someone else's perspective because the he is using all of these narrative tropes to uh, to drive it forward. He's using repetition. Mm -hmm. He's using um, you know uh, alliteration. He's using all of the tools. But it it makes me go, oh yeah, no, that was that was a serious adventure. Right. We're lucky we weren't dead. We're dead. <laughs> huh. And at the time, it was you know it was a cool thing that happened. Right. I didn't, that's the experience that I get reading Sandra's blog. Yeah. Is, it, I mean, it's wonderful because, you know, oh, you know, I was only there for part of this story. You know, let's, let's see what happened. And then the part that I was in, I'm like, oh, wow. That sounds a lot better than I remember it. But it's not inaccurate. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, now, it's. That's something to bring up. Uh, creative nonfiction, one of the lines that people walk is embellishment. Um, because it is a staple of the field that you're allowed to do things like combine two experiences to make one narrative experience um, as long as they're both events that happen. But if you stray too far and start making up events, then you find into, what was that, a million little pieces or the, the Oprah book, um, James oh, Frey. Um, build is narrative nonfiction. Build is narrative nonfiction, but it was found out that he greatly exaggerated and fabricated. Um, and... A lot of the creative nonfiction community was actually like, yeah, it's not a big deal. But the community as a, as a large felt betrayed because yeah. this was presented as a true story, but it was a true story like a Hollywood based on a true story um, rather than things that actually happened to him. And it, it kind of destroyed his career. Um, at least it didn't completely, but it was a major impediment because of this distinction where it really should have been published as Fiction inspired by real events in his life as opposed to creative nonfiction. What liberties do you take, Mehdi? Where do you walk this line? I wouldn't even go so far as to combine two different mm. events. I, however, if you were talk, to talk to my husband and ask him how much of the stuff that, that I write about in this book actually happened, he might argue about, okay. I, I think he believes that I exaggerate. I, I don't intend to exaggerate, but it is true sometimes that when I am creating the arc of a story that I may, I don't know, some, I think I might actually see the world differently mm. because I am shaping it as I am living it sometimes. Yeah, you use stronger, you use stronger words to describe the pain that you're in during the low part of the story because that's part of the arc that you are trying to shape. Something you're not like lying that, yeah. about the fact that you were in pain there and this actually happened. Um, it's just the tools that you use well, it, shape the story. Yeah, and it's it's also you know getting into point of view. It's like mm -hmm. how you perceive things. People can't can't argue with you know if I perceive someone walking into the room as being six feet tall and he's in fact five ten. It, yeah, you know that that 
gets into, again, trying to carry across the the emotional impact of the person. Yeah. I think that's what I end up doing, um, not consciously necessarily. Mm -hmm. And and my husband, who is a physicist and a computer programmer, is very literal. And so for him, mm -hmm. if I ever stray from the exact, I mean, he measures stuff in his head all the time, and mm -hmm. he's always accurate. And so for him, he feels like I'm. I'm strained from that when, for me, that felt like it was the truth. The right. nonfiction yeah. that he is familiar with is technical documentation. Yes, yes, yes that is and all. And you're not, that is you're not really means. allowed to, to play with the words much. One uh, of my favorite pieces uh, of creating nonfiction was by Louise Plummer, and I, I read it in a different class. Um, but it was awesome because she did all of this stuff, telling the story about like I think when they took it was they took their dog in to be to be put down, mm. and it had all the emotional content and things. And she got to the end, um, and it was telling all this, and then and she was talking about seeing the dog and all the thing, and then she said, and I was telling the story to friends, and my husband said you weren't there, and she stopped and said yes I was, and he said no you were away on a trip. We described this to you. And they went back and looked, and lo and behold, she had been gone for the trip, and she had fabricated this memory. And the whole creative nonfiction essay was then turned into this idea of what is real and what isn't real when our minds are perfectly capable of fabricating memories. Um, and how does that relate to actually writing creative nonfiction? Um, it's, a, it's a great story. This is an entirely, I mean, this is a, a very large field. I'm hoping to eventually have more people who write creative nonfiction on so we can talk about it more. Um, but we are out of time. Uh, for this particular podcast, um, but I'm going to give a writing prompt to you guys, and it's a very obvious one, um, but many of you listening may have never tried this before, so I would suggest trying to take something everyday, ordinary in your life that might be extraordinary to people who are not living your life and describe it using literary techniques. See how that helps your improve your fiction. All right, this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.